0: You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. The Trek Files, Season 10, Episode 19, Hispanics on Board the E, July 19th,
1: 1989.
0: Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry, and now your host, Dr. Trek. Larry Nemechek. All right, Star Trek fans. Hey, welcome back to another edition of the Trek Files. We're pulling the files right out of Gene's personal papers, memos, letters, all of that, you know. There's another issue that uh, comes to mind, but I love how, you know, as always, the Star Trek filter, both the story we see on screen and also what's going on backstage is what I love to dive into. Look, we've got a very special guest, so I want to get right to it let's talk about well you'll see go check out our documents of the week we've got two this week they may not seem connected but have a listen take a look and you'll see what we're getting into here's an audio sample right there at facebook.com slash the trek files check it out uh, listen to this reading but we'll be back with more and this week's special guest my attention at the recent convention in maryland that we are lacking in crew members with hispanic roots had the point been brought up in california where the la population is nearly 50 percent it would have seemed quite logical but it is surprising that a north-south border state like maryland would voice the same concern the hispanic population of the u.s is considerable and warrants our having a semi-regular crew member of that persuasion Alright, right, Star Trek fans, let's talk a little bit about representation. Uh, Going back to the earliest days, that's one of the things that Gene Roddenberry wanted to pioneer, wanted to revolutionize about Star Trek and what we celebrate to this day and Star Trek continuing to be, in each iteration, a new representation beacon for the future, Uh, catching up television and media as it were. And uh, hey, we had so much fun the last time he was on the show, I want to welcome back, Yes. Mr. Jake Sisko himself, and you know him also these days as the host of the 7th Row, co-host of the 7th Row podcast. I'm so thrilled to have back none other than Sirach Lofton with us. Sirach, thanks for jumping back in with us here on the Trek Files, man. Hello, hello, everybody. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. Again, we were talking about things that, that we'd want to get into, and, you know, no surprise, this is the diversity that Gene Roddenberry and everyone who worked on the show since then brought in and that's why these internal memos sometimes can be revealing in, in interesting little ways. So I, I found these. I was curious what's your your reaction to the two that we've brought one of which we've covered on the truck Files before, but I'm curious to have your, your insight on, on both of them.
1: Um, well, we did just read the one, but I, I want to comment on the one that we just covered, which is the the representation of Hispanics in, uh, Star Mm -hmm. Trek uh, on the bridge in particular. And, uh, um, the first observation that I made when I read over that was that the feedback had come from the fans that somebody Mm -hmm. was responding, having watched it. And um, that was the first thing that really jumped out at me was that Roddenberry was listening to the fans and, and actually taking their criticism to heart. Um, that was the first thing that jumped out at me. The, the other thing that I thought was interesting was the language of the of the email, the word, was it logical or illogical? <laughs> I I I thought that was very spock yeah. uh that was very spock of the grammatically at least uh yeah for that to be written in such a way i thought <laughs> wh- who wrote this was spock writing this email uh <laughs> Well,
0: almost next door, I should say, so Susan Sackett was, you know, Gene Roddenberry's longtime assistant. And she would be his eyes and ears a lot when she would go out to fan conventions. And I want to say, when she says the Maryland convention, I know this is Shoreleave. So shoreleave has been around with us for a long time. So shout out to the longevity of Shoreleave here. But uh, So they're popping up in a track files. And, you know, it's really, it's it's not just this. It's Susan's, she's reporting back on the fan pulse here. And she talks about O'Brien and, you know, Colomini and uh, some of these questions which fans are still asking like what about the little critters from conspiracy (laughs) uh we've been asking that for 30 years but this lead paragraph was was interesting to me
1: i i think so too because um it tells me also that there is a conscious focus on making sure that um there is a appropriate representation when it comes to race on this show and i mean Not too many people were thinking of that at the time um, to make sure that they were considerate of demographic makeup. I think there was an actual demographic quote in that about how 50 percent of uh, California, you know, you know, is Mm -hmm. Hispanic, essentially. And, And so you talk about being conscious of that and saying, hey, you know, we need to make sure that the representation reflects the country so that people can see themselves on the show. And I think that was one thing that I've learned about interviewing people is that everybody wants to see themselves reflected in some type of way in, in the show. And that's what the show has done a great job of for you know, black women, for black men, for you know different races. Um, and in this case, um, making the effort for Hispanics. And I, I always talk about doing our best to try to be diverse and reflecting what the country really looks like yeah
0: and i this came up you know i've, I've answered questions in my magazine column in the official magazine for years and just just when you get enough time away and we are so close to each individual show and plot and character but when you step back and you have a big picture and you can connect the dots across the years it struck me. Somebody asked me about why are there so... F- now, in recent years, there's been a big... You know, the, the current series all have a lot of Hispanic characters. But over the years, I realized that Gene and everyone working with him over the years had intended to have more Hispanic characters, but something always happened. Like in the beginning, and this ties us right in with Strange New Worlds, there is a character in the cage. The cage is one-off. No one survives the cage as characters except for Spock. So they all go away until Strange New Worlds. But, you know, the, the blonde-headed navigator, his name was Jose Tyler, which I always thought was interesting. His name's Jose, but he's, he's, uh, he's Dan Duryea, this durable character actor, his son. Um, you know, why? Originally, if you look at the very first draft, his name was going to be Jose Ortegas, and he was going to be a hot-blooded, you know, uh, a young, hot-blooded, uh, quick-tempered Latin, you know, air-quoting here. Uh, navigator jose ortegas and so in the mm-hmm. casting process he goes waspy they keep the jose name i guess to show that it's future whatever i don't know i was just thrilled to see as they developed strange new worlds and they were going back to the legacy characters they actually dipped back and had the original name ortegas so you know Melissa Navia, she's playing a character that Gene really wanted in the beginning, but that casting changed. Did you know on DS9 that uh, Sid's character, they changed the the ethnicity? So good on that. But that was originally supposed to be Julian Amoros. And that was supposed to be, that was written to be a Latin American uh, or a Latin Hispanic backgrounded doctor. But then when they love Sid so much, they they changed it to more of an Arabic character. But it feels like all along the way, there have been. Uh, Tasha Yar was supposed to be Macha Hernandez after the Marine and Aliens. And I felt like for a while, it's, it wasn't intended, but it's like they started off with at least one Hispanic character in all these casts, and then casting, you know, changed. So, I, if anything, what do you think about this? If anything, this attention to diversity is even resetting maybe somebody's original good intentions, and the whole vast, you know, the, the casting machine gets in the way sometimes.
1: Yeah. Did I just blow uh, yeah, your mind? Yeah, you there? did blow my mind. Uh yes, the the casting machine gets in the way um, as well and um the way these studios have these formulas about you know who's going to bring more eyeballs uh, to the screen. Um you know, it sounds to me like now, you know, uh they actually uh took away a lot of job opportunities from Hispanics that they were going to offer to, and then say, no, well, no. Mm -hmm. And so they seem to be the biggest victim of not being employed. And that's a tragedy, uh, especially when there was an emphasis to try to do the opposite. Um, But the email actually explains that. I think farther on at the bottom, when it talks about, uh, if you could read like the last line of the document, I believe it said something about the, the view of the white, the lens of historic lens of, of white male or something to mm-hmm. that degree. Uh,
0: yeah. Now you're talking about the, so we've got two right. different uh, documents going on. So the other one is from 89, and this is uh, Michael Piller writing to Gene, and it, I like this because, and this is the one we've talked about a couple of years ago on The Truck Files, but I wanted to talk about it with you, too. It's almost like they're adapting our Earth situation to the galaxy, and Gene here is saying, let's not have so many, you know, uh, human guest stars. Whatever happened to having some colorful, interesting, different cultures, aliens? I know it'll cost a little more money on makeup or, you know, costuming, but let's not have all of our guest stars just be more earthlings, more humans. And he's comparing it to saying this is like the old days when everybody was just a white guest star and we didn't take advantage of the diversity on the planet. So he's saying let's not. But I you know, only in Star Trek could you have the modern issue, contemporary issue applied in the future like that. I mean, is that what we're That's your what mind was, went? yeah,
1: that's what I was talking about. Um, so Michael Piller is suggesting that we can't always have, uh, number one, human beings be the solution to all science problems because it doesn't show the diversity that Mm -hmm. aliens could be intelligent in sciences as well. And then he also talks about the old model of always bringing in white males and, and, and looking at through that lens. And so we need to get away Mm -hmm. from those traditional kind of uh, set in ways that the studios have become accustomed to operating under, and to your point earlier about casting, those are part of the set in ways that even though the producers may have a different vision, it, 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 that memo doesn't make it to casting. That memo doesn't <laughs> make it to the studio head that invite you know, and all around the different areas in which it would be uh, relevant to a affect the kind of change that we need on a grand scale right so just having that thought is great but if it doesn't carry out farther than just a few people who are shared in on that email it doesn't really reach as far as it could but i credit uh, yeah. i credit michael pillar for uh trying to break the uh the you know the the narratives that he knows he's been conditioned under And I think that is, you know, just to be aware of that in itself is is something that should be commended.
0: Yeah, well, and and he did. And this memo is actually Gene, who's like settling back now and not being so much day to day show. This is actually Gene poking him again about it. And, you know, it's CC to every Rick and the entire writing staff at the time. So but it's what you said, though, is. It comes to mind you can have all the good intentions in the world and start the first document by the time that machine and all the other people even when they have good intentions if you you have to disrupt those old ruts and those old ways of doing things and if anything the the current crop of series have been so into you know not just racial diversity but gender and and just whatever the spectrum is and people who aren't seeing themselves on tv like you said well and I, sometimes I mean, people say about... there's this pushback but it's like you have to have a head of steam you have to really get going so you can take your good intention all the way through that machine out there even when people agree with you you've got to see it all the way through the process yeah and
1: the machine has so many moving parts so uh the the mm-hmm. casting uh it's not just the casting agents it's also the uh represent- representatives of the actors so who is submitting people for jobs which people are getting submitted which ones are not and there's a whole yeah. game in that in itself um so you know th- there is a mechanism in place where it's not easy to penetrate just because you you may have good intentions you know you still have to make sure that um, you're able to see the pool of people that are in that desired group. And usually those people don't have the same access to th- to get to you. <laughs> so it's like this weird uh, dichotomy that, that exists. I mean, there's old stories from the very beginning
0: where Gene was trying to produce his show and science fiction was such a, you know, forget Star Trek, science fiction at all. Was such a weird new concept not just to the audience but to the people making tv and movies and there's the story about him trying to get alien plants on the surface you know talos uh, uh, you know and the greensmen keep bringing in all these ordinary looking earth plants and he's like no i want weirder i want weirder and it was the 60s they couldn't you know amazon in something mm-hmm. from the amazon that easily <laughs> but he's fi- and the story about he finally like took the bush ripped it out of the pot, turned it over so that the roots were dangling up in the air and said, there, that's what I want. And the greensman just thought he was crazy. But if that's what he had to do with plants, some of this disruptive you know, force of, of, of righting some wrongs and, and all the people who are not seen and over, like if that's what you had to do with greenery, just imagine what you have to do with the human factor. And that's what they're up against. As as I listen, to you talk, that's what i'm I'm thinking. you got you got to stick with your guns all the way through if that's what you want to do,
1: yes. and uh, the the factors run so deep. like I said, it's it's more than just I'm not going to just place all the blame on casting. It's the entire system, oh, yeah. like yes. it's the it's the, uh, the schooling that a person is. How, mm-hmm. how many Hispanics are allowed into Juilliard every year? Um, there, there's there's an actual system in place and, and it's hard to penetrate that system in different ways. And so, um, kudos to them for trying, but I also feel like there have been oppressive mechanisms that stop those, uh, Hispanics and Latinos from making it to those on screen and getting those jobs. So, um, you know, we still have a lot or whatever, the pool of who we're trying to represent. Yeah. Is. And so, you know, um, we still have str- uh, we still need to make strides there has been a lot of strides made since uh especially with, with regards to hispanic characters uh um but my all-time favorite uh, uh villain in Star Trek is is Ricardo uh Montebog so you know he's yeah. got the the crown for me so yeah. <laughs> doesn't get any better than yeah. that, in my opinion.
0: It's hard to top that, although lots of people are trying. And the current shows are that way, too. But no, you know, and then what's sad is, on one hand, I feel like we've had it. I was going to ask you, it feels like there's obviously there's been a lot of progress. But you know what's happened is now we get the pushback. All the way, and from the highest places, sometimes now about oh, maybe a little bit too much diversity, guys. Let's just hang back here.
1: Yeah, we're uh, we're always fighting different battles. It's it's you never you never have it settled in in the world. There, it's just it's never just completely. Oh well, we've resolved everything. There's always a fight. There's always an issue. There's always um, new ground to cover. Uh, new spaces that we can enter into um we've made strides but i want to see more black executives more brown executives in the sure. business you know as uh not only showrunners but as uh um, studio heads um it, you know th- there's room for uh, diversity all along the scale including um casting um uh, Yeah. Well, casting is the small, I mean,
0: who's making the decisions from online?
1: But I I mean, we can have diversity as casting directors as well. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to just be run by uh, a homogenous group. And so um, I think there's strides to make in all of the arenas uh, from costuming to uh, hair, you know, hair and, uh, you know, a hair department to the electrical grips the camera operators um you know this is there's a lot of stuff uh job opportunities in this business and so the more we see the better
0: yeah much less directors and writers because they're going to climb the ladders too and yeah wind up in the boardroom as well as the writer's room oh my gosh well i I like to think things are getting better but then i i'm not naive enough to know that it's not two steps forward one step back all the time but um I love history. I love seeing where we've come from, and our memos that we do on the truck files like this. Yeah, uh, and I loved having you on again today, Siroc. So thanks for <laughs> thanks for jumping in with us and uh, trying to hit the nail on the head about this issue and keep it front and center as we're we talked last time you were on about the labor issues and the strikes and what needs to be disrupted in a good
1: way. You know, and uh, how we're, we're all just carrying the torch I, you know for know, change. Uh, Nichelle Nichols really started this torch when it comes to Star Trek. And she began carrying it for all of us mm-hmm. with the struggle and the fight that she went through. And we're just continuing to expand that so that it includes other uh, people who feel marginalized and disenfranchised. Absolutely. Amen. Well, listen,
0: brother, it was great to see you, and we'll be seeing you on down the line and out on the trail. And uh, But thanks again for stopping in with us today. Hey, everyone, The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. And all of our documents and your chance to comment, and please do, are available at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. Now, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. Uh, yeah, that's me at LarryNemichek.com. That's where you can also link in for all the new Trek Files swag and the shirts at our Tea Public shop, too. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.rottenberry.com.